Welcome to the Well Women Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Peterson, and I'm incredibly honored you're tuning in today. This is a space where we explore health and wholeness from a kingdom perspective and believe wellness begins from a place of identity in Christ. I'm the host of Well Women Co. Podcast, author of Food Freedom, Stop Hiding and Uncover Who You're Meant to Be, wife and mom of one with one on the way. I overcame a decade of struggling with body image, insecurity, and a poor relationship with food. It was through a miraculous encounter and discovering and implementing practical health tactics that began and continued to transform my life from the inside out. Now I'm passionate about all things health and wholeness for women when it comes to her faith, her family, her body, and her calling. Wherever you are in your pursuit of wholeness, I believe there are divine solutions to help you become the well woman you are called to be. If you're like me, you hunger for substance, authenticity, and an end to the self-help fluff. You're looking for realistic lifestyle changes and an end to the wellness roller coaster of diet culture or popular opinion. Join me for a faith-filled, soul-nourishing conversations along with our special guest episodes where we share faith-fueled wisdom and practical tactics to take your health and healing journey to the next level from the inside out. Welcome to the Well Woman Co. Podcast, together seeking health from a kingdom perspective and becoming the well woman we're destined to be. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Well Woman Co. Podcast. Today, I'm excited to have Lauren De La Cruz on the show. Lauren is a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, root cause protocol consultant, and a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner that specializes in preconception nutrition. Her mission is to empower women with the tools and the knowledge they need to regulate their cycles, balance their hormones, heal metabolism, optimize their fertility, and have a thriving pregnancy. Lauren is a wealth of knowledge, as you are going to hear on today's show. And as I've worked with women in my past programs and even talked with them, my own friends and family, I'm realizing more and more it's becoming evident that women, we are so depleted. And it's important that we learn how to increase our nutrients because increasing our nutrient stores in our body and focusing on nourishing our bodies versus depriving or seeing how much volume we can eat versus how much nutrient-dense food we can eat, it impacts our energy levels, it impacts our moods, it impacts our metabolism. And honestly, as I've been on this journey of learning how to truly nourish my body and nourish my cells, it's like I'm able to handle life at a new capacity. I think so many of us are overwhelmed and undernourished. And when we're undernourished, life seems harder. And this is a key to understanding how to nourish our bodies and how to fuel ourselves. Because when we do, we start to operate in the capacity I believe the Lord has for us. I believe that our bodies are created to handle life. Our bodies are able to and meant to have extreme capacities just to do the things that keep us not only alive, but thriving and living in community and caring for a household and nurturing our families and doing the things the Lord has put on our hearts. If we don't have the energy to do that, we're going to feel discouraged. We're going to feel beaten down and 
we just won't get the things done. So I feel like today's conversation is just key, not only for conception or maybe you're pregnant or looking to get pregnant, but just for long-term health period for us as women. And one thing I like about Lauren's approach is it's whole foods based. And so you're not going to hear a long list of supplements to get all these important nutrients into your diet. We're talking about just whole foods and how do we get these from the foods that we eat day to day. So not only from a cost standpoint, it's just a lifestyle. It's not, okay, we need to totally revamp our supplement cupboards, which I have been guilty of in the past um, from, you know, diet to diet, protocol to protocol. It's like each one of these things requires new supplements. And that's not to say that all supplements are um, not necessary. Some, I believe, still are. But really focusing on whole foods first and then supplementing um, as little as possible. So let's jump into today's conversation. I know you're going to enjoy it. Um, we have Lauren's information in the show notes. We have my book, Food Freedom, Stop Hiding and Uncover Who You're Meant to Be. You can grab that on Amazon or on the show notes as well. And I think it's also interesting to note that I am releasing this podcast postpartum. I recorded it while Asher was still our um, youngest was still in my womb, and now he's out into the world. And so I just can share from personal testimony that eating this way, understanding nutrition from this perspective has changed the game for me. I'm about seven weeks postpartum as this um, episode is releasing, and the energy I have, the mental clarity I have, um, my mood feels so grounded. And yes, I still take naps, a lot of the times when my baby is napping, right? I try to get sleep um, because I'm still up at night, but I feel so great in my body. And I believe that a large part of that is due to how I'm nourishing myself this time around. So that's just a personal anecdotal testimony to nourishment in this way. So I hope this blesses you. I hope this actually encourages you to continue on your own health journey to discover what works for your body and how can you partner with your original design to live the life that God has planned for you. So thanks for listening to this quick intro. I feel like this will help set up the show. And without further ado, let's meet Lauren. This episode is sponsored by my latest book, Food Freedom, Stop Hiding and Uncover Who You're Meant to Be. I wrote this book after overcoming a secret, decade-long battle with disordered eating and lots of health challenges. This is a short, practical, and entertaining read that includes my personal testimony of food freedom and how you can experience total freedom in this area of your life as well, along with my four pillars of vibrant health an actionable, science-backed, Bible-based blueprint to remove the confusion that so often comes with diet culture and trying to nourish our bodies. You'll have the tools to take your health to the next level through faith-filled, practical steps wherever you are in your health and wellness journey, and uncover the confidence to model holistic wellness to your family and those around you. Say goodbye to fad diets and confusing health advice and breathe in the joy and new life that comes with pursuing our original design and a loving creator. Grab your copy today at wellwomenco.com or on Amazon. Welcome Lauren to the Well Co podcast. Ah, thanks so much for having me, Brooke. I'm really excited to be here. 
You are so welcome. Let's just dive right in. I am genuinely curious. You're in a really unique niche, I would say, of health and nutrition. So I would like to start off right off the top, like what inspired you to pursue fertility and pregnancy nutrition specifically? Just give us a little background about that journey, where you are in the world, and what a day-to-day looks like for you right now. Well, thank you. Yeah. So I was working a lot with women, working on their metabolism, working on just making them feel good, feel better. Um, And it was, you know, a really wide range of ages. Um, but a lot of them started getting pregnant and I also started to prepare myself for conception and I just saw a huge gap in, uh, resources for women doing this. Um, another aspect of it is that also in my research, I'm constantly trying to, you know, read research studies, learn new things, um, to really bring back to my practice and help my clients, but also in my research, there was always something really interesting that I kept coming across, which was the preconception period can have a huge influence. Uh, And that's not only on, of course, baby's health and development, but your fertility and ease of getting pregnant. Um, Also having a thriving pregnancy and reducing pregnancy complications and influencing postpartum recovery. And then there's also this other sort of even bigger picture uh, layer, which is that through preconception preparation, we can also influence the health of our future generations, not only our children, but our children's children and their children's children. And so once I started to put these pieces together, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so important. And no one really is helping women, you know, address this. And I know that women are generally, you know, going into pregnancy it can kind of be sort of a scary wish-washy time. <laughs> there's not a lot of resources and there's a lot of bad advice out there. <laughs> and so um, I was like, I, I just, I need to pivot and really fill this gap because I really want to help women uh, not only have thriving pregnancies, but also, you know, have healthy children. And so uh, that's really why I do what I do. And, you know, in pivoting, I can see it happening in my clients and it's really, really amazing. And so I'm really rewarding. So that's, that's really the gist of it. I love that. And on this podcast, we talk a lot holistically, not only physical health, but spiritual health and emotional health. And so I love your perspective that you innately have of like, look, this isn't just for you. You know, this isn't just a quick fix for a mom's body or for a woman's body to feel better or to look a different way. It's like, we're setting this up literally for future generations to thrive. And I think that's so valuable. And when women, especially when we're in this stage of wanting to conceive or having kids, like when we can set our perspective for the long-term, the long game, like not only am I nourishing my body, but I'm actually internalizing this information in a way that is being passed on to my kids by what we feed them, but then also through our knowledge, imparting that to our kids, you know, why are we eating this or why are we eating that? You know, when we're able to articulate that to our kids, how big of a difference is that going to make in, you know, their lifetime and in the next, like you're saying. So I love that so much. Um, Let's dive into the question of like, okay, fertility. So you mentioned you're in the stage of trying to conceive. Do you have kids yet? 
Not yet, actually. So I'm a big planner. <laughs> and also, um, this is kind of funny, but I was doing all the sort of lab tests on myself that I recommend to clients. And um, I did one for fun, which was a GI map. And I found out that I have a little parasite going on, probably for my dog. So I'm working on that because it's really not ideal to enter pregnancy with a parasitic infection. Um, so, I mean, maybe TMI, but just a funny story there. Um, so, you know, but yes, I am, you know, preparing for conception in that regard, you know, that's part of the journey. Right. Um, and I, I really am so excited to, you know, just dive into all of it. Um, <laughs> I'm excited for you. You're gonna, you're gonna rock it. So that means that there's less puppy kisses going on. <laughs> because it's really actually the bacteria, uh, sorry, the parasite that I have is really common here in Colorado. Sure. Um, it's really common in the tap water. So and it could be from, you know, taking a sip of water at a restaurant or maybe uh, my dog, but either way it's, it's here and I'm, I'm dealing with it and it's fine. <laughs> you're, you're getting after it. I love it. Well, that's a good point because fertility markers, when we're talking about fertility markers, this is not just for women looking to conceive or in that stage of life. I love looking at like, okay, let's look at the fertility markers as an overall perspective of our health, instead of, for instance, just stepping on a scale. What does the number say? Like, that's a very shallow look at our health. So would you just go into a little bit as far as like, what are some healthy fertility markers that we can look for as women, whether or not we're looking to conceive? Yeah. You make such great points there that health well, first of all, health is really intertwined with our fertility. Uh, you can't really separate the two. And so, and also there's a reason that our cycle is called the fifth vital sign. <laughs> so um, just to give you, you know, and vital signs are things like blood pressure and temperature. And those are also really helpful biomarkers, but also our cycle is too. Uh, so when we talk about fertility, we're really talking about thriving health, overall thriving health. And a couple of signs, you know, definitely you can get labs, but there are some really easy, easy things to pay attention to day to day that can give you uh, an indication of how your overall health is doing. And that will also influence how your overall fertility is doing. Uh, so, you know, a couple of standard markers that are really easy to take note of are temperature and pulse. Um, I like to use those because they're also really indicative of the metabolism and metabolic function. Um, temperature will indicate, and, and temperature and pulse really should be used together. Um, and it can really indicate, you know, whether or not you're in a stress state, whether or not your organs are getting the nutrients that they need um, and how you're recovering uh, from exercise or stress or how the food you're intaking is working for you too. Uh, so, you know, and temperature too is one of the uh, markers for the fertility awareness method, uh, or, you know, you can use temperature for the symptothermal method if you're tracking fertility naturally. Um, and so, you know, temperature is really widely used in many different aspects. And I would say that's really useful. <laughs> so definitely those two, but also, you know, things like digestion, things like skin. Can I health. back up real quick with the pulse and temperature of or course. the, the temperature, yeah, the te temperature and pulse. Do you have a general range that would indicate a healthy metabolism? 
Oh yeah, of course. Uh, sorry for skipping over that. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. Generally speaking, and this this information comes from Dr. Broda Barnes, who wrote. Um, he he was a really big thyroid researcher, really really well known, and really um, brings a different perspective to the table. I think um, the the healthiest or the ideal temperatures come from the healthiest people that he was observing. And uh, the ideal temperature range would be 97.8 to 98.6. Um, you can be a little higher, generally lower, you know, is going to be probably indicative of a sub, sub metabolism or maybe even slight thyroid stress. Um, and of course, it's important to mention too that this general, like where you sit usually within this, will fluctuate throughout your cycle too, because if we are using temperature to track our cycle, we will have a rise natural, if we, a natural rise during the second half of our cycle if we ovulate, because progesterone stimulates thyroid and we experience an increase in temperature that way. Uh, as far as pulse goes, around 75 to 90 beats per minute is usually the normal. Um, and that can really also contextualize uh, what the temperature you're seeing is, you know, indicative of because it's really common for people to only look at temperature and say, oh, I fall within the range. But that heat that you could be creating could be from a stress state. And mm -hmm. so pulse really helps contextualize that. Uh, so I like using it together. And of course, you can still use temperature for um, natural family pl family planning if you like as well. Yeah, super helpful. Thank you for clarifying that. I just know that in listeners' mind, they're like, okay, but what's the range? Because we all want to know the range. So that's helpful. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a free guide in my uh, profile that kind of outlines the ranges. Um, when it comes to interpreting exactly what's happening, that requires a little more training. Um, so I either work with clients on that one-on-one -on -one, or um, there's also a course that I have that outlines the uh, most of the interpretations. And so, you know, it could, it could, there's a lot of ways you can interpret things and, um, as you get to track more and more your temperature and pulse and you see where you're coming from, where you're going and the ranges that you kind of sort of, you know, experience, um, you become more familiar and become more aware of like what's actually happening. Yeah, we'll put those resources in the show notes too, for sure. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so other markers, you know, it could be as simple as like, <laughs> how is my energy throughout the day? How is my digestion? Am I going to the bathroom, you know, having bowel movements uh, every day? Um, how is my mood? How is my hair? Is it brittle? Is it falling out? Or is it healthy and luscious? How's my skin? You know, is it vibrant? How are my nails? Um, are they really soft and brittle? Um, your nails, hair, skin can tell you a lot about your health as well. Um, you know, so those are some markers. And then of course, we have our menstrual cycle, which is so important to keep a pulse on because it's just, it's one of the most useful tools. And, you know, we can figure out and how our health and fertility is doing by just being able to track our ovulation and understand, you know, are we 
ovulating because if we're not, we're not making progesterone, which is not going to allow us to have an implantation um, of the egg, uh, so of the fertilized egg. And so we need to be making enough progesterone. Uh, we need to be making um, enough progesterone in the idea of like, okay, we may be ovulating, but how long is our luteal phase too? And our luteal phase is the second half of our cycle. It's usually around two weeks. And a lot of women usually, if they are struggling um, with cycle issues, they might be experiencing a short luteal phase, which, you know, that could indicate you're not making, you're making progesterone, but not quite enough. <laughs> um, and so there's that, uh, you know, PMS symptoms, really bad PMS symptoms, really heavy cloudy periods, intense mood swings, insomnia, um, extreme fatigue, uh, all of these things can really indicate hormonal imbalance. And that's really important because not only could it potentially affect our ability to get pregnant or ease of pregnancy, uh, but also we imprint our hormonal health on our children and, you know, Brooke, you talked about the nutritional aspect of that. And yes, that's true and very important, but we also imprint our hormonal health on our children. And also um, you were talking about spiritually as well, our trauma too. So, you know, all of these things are kind of connected. So our, our vital sign, uh, you know, the vital signs that I talked about before, definitely really important, but our menstrual cycle is one really, really easy way to tell. And, you know, whether or not we have one too, if we're not cycling at all, that's a really big sign that our body does not feel safe. It's really stressed out and it does not feel safe enough to try to reproduce at this time. So uh, just taking that as information. And again, nothing has to be, I mean, let me backtrack. They don't all have to be perfect in perfect shape. I should also mention that too, because I think a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, well, there's this one thing that's like not perfect. And <laughs> I look at them as information and areas of opportunity that we can improve upon. And if there's something that's really, really off, then yeah, we might want to work on that a little bit before, you know, trying to pursue um, this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful time in our lives. Because um, also these things can manifest um, in pregnancy as complications or, or, you know, exacerbate during pregnancy. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I would encourage for listeners, if you are keeping track that maybe you rewind this five minutes and just go through that list. And like Lauren saying, it's not a matter of being perfect in every area, but it's just the awareness around our overall health holistically that we can start to notice like, okay, this seems to be off frequently, or this seems to be off. And then we can start to work on root um, problems, root, the solutions to the root instead of just masking all these symptoms. So I really like that. And it's interesting in my own journey. So I have a daughter who is five and really we would love to have gotten pregnant, you know, a year into her being born. Um, but there was a lot of these that were off for me. So specifically two years prior to being able to conceive, um, I was working on a lot of these, like you're saying, parasite gut issues, hormonal imbalance, and it took a lot longer than we were planning on. You know, it was, it was really difficult, but it was, and I was actually in the middle of a few protocols when I got pregnant, which number one is a miracle. I think any, any, um, one who conceives, it's just like this miracle act of God, how that all happens. But number two, it was just a sign of like, okay, everything is not perfect. 
In fact, I believe I'm still like healing and going through things as I progress in this pregnancy, but it's like my body felt safe enough and well enough that yes, we can conceive and carry a healthy pregnancy. So I believe that why this conversation is so important is because if I found Lauren or, you know, this information several years earlier, um, I believe I could have got to a point of healing that my pregnancy would have been even better because for instance, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, Lauren, the common pregnancy symptoms I absolutely had for sure first trimester and even lingering a little bit. And it's so freeing when we realize, wow, this is common, but it doesn't have to be normal if we do the work ahead of time and not everyone has the luxury to do that. And so, like you were saying, even before this conversation, it's never too late. It's never a bad time to invest in our health and start to nourish um, in a way that is more suitable for our body. But I'm just sharing like my own, like, yep, I'm not, not, I don't have all these things perfect, but we still conceived. And I still believe that I can grow and improve even during pregnancy and beyond. So um, Lauren, I'd love to, I don't want to touch on this too long because I think a lot of us are dealing with this or already are aware, but I'd love your perspective of the women that you're working with and what you're seeing, you know, this in, infertility epidemic seemingly that we're seeing the, the rate of miscarriage. And I'd love if you just touch on a little bit about why, like what's the reason behind some of these things? Oh man, that's a huge question. <laughs> um, I think the short and big answer is we are probably living in an environment that has outpaced our evolution. Wow. I know that's like probably a really meta answer to that question, but um, I think that has a lot to do with it. Like we literally are living in an environment in a world that we're not able to meet the demand with the supply. And that's really what it comes down to is just overall stress. Um, mm -hmm you know, and there are so many different stressors that, you know, it, it, stress is different for everyone. There's chemical, emotional, physical, uh, it could be one, it could be many for one person. But at the end of the day, I think that is the general issue. Uh, but you're right, there is, you know, infertility rates are increasing. I think um, the use of assisted reproductive technologies is increasing five to 10% year over year, which is very high <laughs> to, to increase year over year. That's a lot. Uh, and there's also, um, I've done a lot of research on male fertility as well. And um, I believe there's been a 60% decrease in sperm count in less than 50 years. What? So that, that brings me back to wow. sort of like we're at, we, the environment that we live in has outpaced our ability to cope with it. Um, that said, you know, I don't want to make this all gloom and doom. <laughs> What's the bright side of this is that like we can control how we react to the environment and we can increase our resilience to the environment. And that's really what it's all about. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not necessarily like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> there's really, I don't want to think about the future, but, you know, I would just think about you in the present now and, um, increasing your resilience to stress, increasing your health and your ability to cope with the environment around you and removing, you know, or, or at least managing those stressors in a better, more manageable way um, is going to not only help your health, but again, your, your future children's health as well, and really not only increase your fertility, but overall health in general. So 
I, that's kind of like the long answer to, mm -hmm. or the longer answer. There are certain things like nutrient wise that I, I could probably, you know, point the finger at too, uh, like polyunsaturated fat consumption has increased exponentially over the past, um, let's see, almost a hundred-ish years. It's rounding up pretty a decent amount, but <laughs> past hundred-ish years. Um, and, you know, these industrial seed oils, they deplete uh, vitamin E, which is really important for fertility. Actually, vitamin E is called fertility factor X. And with the increase of the consumption of polyunsaturated fats, pretty much all health issues have increased as well, uh, such as obesity, diabetes. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of correlation there. Um, I would also say another lesser uh, acknowledged potentially issue is uh, iron fortification. And so, you know, there's this whole other aspect and I, I don't know how deep you want to get into this in the weeds, but uh, we've, we've been fortifying our food system with iron. And uh, if you really understand iron metabolism, we don't really need to do that. That fortification was based on um, a 1%, maybe less of a population uh, <laughs> that were experiencing anemia. And if you know how iron works, you don't necessarily have to supplement or iron necessarily isn't the answer if you're experiencing anemia. It could be the other cofactors and it usually is um, in terms of improving your iron levels. So uh, there was this really misinformed decision to fortify the food system with iron and iron also depletes vitamin E as well. Uh, granted, I'm just indexing on those, you know, that one nutrient, but I do think it's, it's another these two sort of food related aspects do increase our overall stress load as well and can decrease our resilience too. So that's really interesting. I've never heard of the vitamin E as a fertility factor X. Yeah. yeah. And it, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense that they're inverted because, you know, you're talking about polyunsaturated fats, which are in virtually everything that is packaged. I mean, you have to really be intentional to read labels, but I mean, thinking about how that sneak has snuck into our diet as just the norm. Well, if that's rising, then vitamin E is dropping. Well, then obviously it's going to impact fertility, <laughs> not to mention the iron fortification that you mentioned. So just so interesting. So let's just dive into like, okay, preconception is vital. And that's one of your specialties is like, how do we prepare for um, conception, even for women who don't want to conceive, like how do we increase fertility? It's, it's one and the same. So let's just talk, let's just geek out about this. This is your bread and butter, Lauren. What are, what are some of the key nutrients for fertility? We mentioned vitamin E, um, but let's dive into also really practically, like what are some real food sources? And I don't know if you want to touch on now, like the difference between prenatals. Um, I don't know what your thought process is on prenatals versus getting them from real food sources. So I'll let you just direct that conversation as you want. Yeah. So I'll start with the first uh, part, which is key fertility nutrients. And then we can go into like the real food versus prenatal supplements. Love it. Um, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, when thinking about key nutrients for uh, fertility and pregnancy, I know a lot of people like to 
just tell me which ones I need to get. But in reality, all of them are really important. <laughs> and I mean, I've, I've, I've done the research. All of them are really important. And there's also other ones that we don't necessarily even acknowledge that are also really important. And there's more and more research coming out that is just demonstrating how critical it is for uh, fertility, pregnancy, but also baby's health. Uh, so that said, you know, I, I don't even know if we will ever know all of the important ones either for a while, because uh, we're constantly researching and nutrition for pregnancy is really uh, still, even though we have a decent amount, like it's, it's still evolving at a very rapid rate. So just to preface that, like what I'm about to say and the nutrients I mentioned just might not be comprehensive 20 years from now. <laughs> and we might understand way more and we will. Um, well, to but, that point too, because you mentioned the, just the pace and the speed of technology and modern culture, it's almost like it's not evolving. It's almost like we're having to go back. Like, yeah. you know, what's the original design? Like how are our bodies designed? you know, a thousand years ago, what nutrients do they have access to that we literally don't anymore? So yeah. that's a really interesting paradigm to shift to, like just going back to the original design. And that's a great way to put it too, because our answers didn't know that we needed XYZ B vitamin or vitamin, you know, XYZ mineral. They just knew that they needed to increase their intake of more of these specific foods around preconception during pregnancy and postpartum to ensure the health of the mother and the survival of the baby. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, exact, it's exactly like you said, we're almost like kind of working backwards in a way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, if you look at what our ancestors did, they really didn't over complicate things they just really focus on really nutrient-dense nourishing traditional foods often revolving around really nutrient-dense animal foods like organ meats bone broth things like that uh, fruits here and there vegetables here and there but a lot of it was just animal foods and lots of healthy fats as well like butter um, egg yolks and things like that so there's a lot we can learn from our ancestors and you know it doesn't necessarily mean what, you know, even though I can break this down, doesn't necessarily mean we have to overcomplicate things. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it's getting back to the key nutrients. I think, you know, there is macronutrients and those are the proteins, carbs, and fats. Um, and those are really important for sure for giving us energy, giving us building blocks uh, to create a new human, um, giving us, you know, fat to build hormones and things like that. Um, definitely really important. I also think protein is definitely underconsumed by women in general, but also during pregnancy, it's really important. Um, and where I guess the more important stuff comes into play is the micronutrients. And when we're pregnant, our need for micronutrients skyrockets. <laughs> we need so much. Um, and also postpartum is even more micronutrient demanding and more macronutrient demanding. So if we do plan on breastfeeding, like pregnancy is definitely very demanding, but also breastfeeding is going to be even more demanding, which is why it's really helpful to try to build nutrient stores ahead of time to really put our best foot forward. So uh, in terms of micronutrients, everyone's heard of folate, of course. And yes, that's really important 
uh, and it is a very, very important nutrient. It supports methylation, it supports preventing neural tube defects, it supports fertility for both men and women, egg health, progesterone production, all that stuff. Um, but you know, I think what a lot of people miss out on when they focus too much on folate is that they don't realize that there are so many other nutrients involved in methylation that are so also really important for preventing neural tube defects. <laughs> and so, um, you know, things like vitamin B6 and glycine. And so like, <laughs> there's so many things. And so um, that kind of, you know, I'll probably talk about this a little bit in the prenatal when I talk about prenatals, but that's why uh, over-indexing on isolated supplementation or one specific nutrient is like not always it can sometimes work against us because we could be eating more of a food that contains all of those nutrients rather than just using a supplement that contains one of them. And eating the food that contains all of them will optimize uh, the, the whole purpose that we're looking to achieve versus like, yes, we can probably sway things in the right direction, but we might be missing out on other key nutrients. Um, so folate is really important. Uh, B vitamins in general though. So vitamin B6, vitamin B12 is super, super important for the neurological development of baby. Um, it's also super important for fertility, egg health as well. Uh, vitamin B6 is really important for uh, hormonal balance. Also methylation um, also has connections to morning sickness as well. It's usually used as a remedy for morning sickness. Um, vitamin A, the fat soluble vitamin, uh, really, really critical for egg quality, progesterone production. Uh, it helps uh, build the vital organ systems in the baby's body as the baby's developing and also symmetry in baby. So super, super important, often overlooked. And um, it's, it's well known in farmers or amongst farmers that if you know your farm animals do not have enough retinol, vitamin A and I should also clarify when I say vitamin A, I mean retinol, not necessarily beta carotene. Beta carotene is pro vitamin A. Retinol is preformed vitamin A. You can only get retinol from animal foods. Um, and it's well known amongst farmers that if you, their livestock are lacking vitamin A, they're not going to be able to reproduce. Uh, so simply uh, depriving an animal of that will affect its ability to reproduce and also restoring and giving that animal more vitamin A restores its ability to reproduce. It's been shown in animal models. Um, so it's very interesting. Um, vitamin E, of course, we talked about, it's called fertility factor X. And uh, similarly, uh, when researchers deprived animals of vitamin E, they also found that they could not reproduce. <laughs> and so restoring vitamin E status in these animals and even in, um, people. So there's a lot of research and early research too, earlier in the century uh, on vitamin E and helping couples with infertility and or, or women who experience miscarriage. It, it helps sperm health. It helps egg health. It helps restore the cycle, um, helps progesterone production. So it makes so much sense. Um, let's see, vitamin C is also really important. It's going to help the skin growth and organ growth. It's a cofactor for collagen production. So our collagen production increases exponentially as well or during pregnancy too. We're building an entirely new human, but also an entirely new organ like the placenta and we're stretching. Uh, so to really 
support all those sort of physical um, demands, vitamin C is really, really important. And it also helps with cycle health too, because it supports the egg health and progesterone production too. Um, another one is copper, which is a really, really important mineral, also a cofactor for collagen production. Um, and it also really influences the hormonal balance that supports fertility. Uh, you know, if we are lacking copper, there's a bunch of copper dependent enzymes during pregnancy. And um, one of them is responsible for regulating serotonin. And if that gets too high, we can potentially have a spontaneous abortion. Uh, copper also manages iron. And is if we don't have enough copper, we're not going to be able to, one, absorb enough iron from our food, but also utilize it properly in the body. There are other copper enzymes that help us absorb iron from food, but also pass it on to baby. Um, and, you know, third trimester anemia is just so common. And I don't know if it's because it's <laughs> many women seek me for help, help with it. Um, but it's just something that I'm dealing with every day. <laughs> women reaching out to me, can I work with you? Because I have third trimester anemia, they're trying to give me an iron infusion. Um, and that's usually uh, for many reasons, you know, we can talk about that if you want, but um, it's really tough on the mom and it's usually not solving the problem. So there's that. And of course, minerals and electrolytes and, you know, the B vitamins as well, they're really important for supporting new red blood cell production and um, blood volume goes up 50% during pregnancy. We not only need the nutrients to create new red blood cells, but also electrolytes to support the actual volume of blood and the hydration of these cells. And um, so things like sodium, magnesium, potassium, super, super important. Um, if we are lacking these, we might experience swelling. We might be at more risk for preeclampsia. So um, super, super important too. And those are just a couple. I could literally talk for hours on <laughs> the importance of different nutrients because there's literally something to say about each and every one. Um, and its importance to pregnancy and fertility and the, the development of baby, but um, I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it's so good. I'm, I'm literally taking notes over here and just, because I feel like repetition is the mother of learning. And so the more we can just, you know, understand not only what, what vitamins are important, but what they do that helps yeah. cognitively draw the connection of like, oh, this, yeah, this is actually really important. So can you go through and list and also preface Lauren has the most beautiful Instagram account and I will just scroll on her Instagram account and learn. So we won't have time to go all through all these things in depth. So I just will put her handle in the show notes. And it's such a wealth of information for these things because you have beautiful infographics of where to get vitamin A, E, C as an example. So I want to make sure we're encouraging you to go check out her page. It's beautiful and really easy to digest, but would you spend a few minutes just giving us, and again, this is a lot of vitamins you mentioned and you didn't even mention half of them, right? Yeah. So, but how can we keep it simple? So maybe give us, you know, your top five whole food sources that have some of these vitamins in them? Oh yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, and this might be, well, when looking to increase our nutrient stores and also, you know, we might be dealing with morning sickness in the first trimester, like 
it's really all about efficiency for me and proper preparation. Uh, so those are like the first two pillars of <laughs> building nutrient stores for pregnancy, uh, not only fertility, but pregnancy. Um, and so, you know, I think what it comes down to, the common thread is really animal-based foods are going to be your one-stop shop to get most of your nutrients um, because they're just so, they pack so much in there and uh, which is ideal if we're trying to build nutrient stores to build another human. So um, a couple of top foods and, you know, these are really ancestral foods. Again, our ancestors really knew what they were doing, even though you know, we may think they didn't know what they were doing because they didn't have the technology to analyze the nutrient levels in each of these foods, but they really did know what they were doing innately, which is incredible. Um, so things like organ meats, uh, specifically liver, it's the most nutrient dense food on the planet, literally. Uh, so you really can't go wrong with liver. It's got so much nutrition. Many of the nutrients that I mentioned, vitamin A, copper, folate, B12, B6, uh, but also, uh, you know, it has other things like choline, for example. A lot of women are now, uh, and, and I guess nutrition educators for pregnancy are realizing choline is actually really important. Uh, and, you know, it is because it's just as important for folate as preventing neural tube defects in case you didn't know. Um, so liver is also the most nutrient dense source of choline in terms of volume. Uh, so when you eat liver, you're really getting so many nutrients. You're also getting minerals like selenium, zinc, uh, iron as well. It comes all in this beautiful package. And I think there's a sophistication that mother nature brings, but also a simplicity because it's like, here you go. Here's this beautiful food that has all the nutrients you need wrapped in a bow. Uh, you don't really need to like go look for this or supplement with this to get this, you know, it's, it's coming in a beautifully wrapped package for you. Um, so liver, super, super important. I also really love uh, dairy products. Um, dairy products are really incredible especially full fat dairy products, because we're, you know, they'll deliver vitamin A in the fat soluble vitamins, um, sorry, in the, in the fat. Um, they'll also deliver other fat soluble vitamins like vitamin K2, especially fermented dairy products, um, vitamin D, vitamin E as well. Uh, what the animal eats, we benefit from. So if the animal's eating grass, you know, or even not, um, it can influence the micronutrient uh, profile a little bit, but really we're, we're getting, we're benefiting from the animal's nutrition and their ability to convert these nutrients into things that are really easy for us to absorb and um, consume. So uh, dairy is beautiful. It has a lot of electrolytes, calcium, magnesium, selenium, iodine, which is another really important mineral for pregnancy and fertility. Um, let's see what else, a lot of B vitamins as well in dairy too. Uh, especially if you can get raw dairy, uh, the pasteurization will, you know, I think dairy is really important regardless of whether it's raw or not, but um, uh, raw dairy can also preserve more of those delicate B vitamins that, um, you know, we really want to get. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I'm assuming that when you say dairy, you're not talking about conventional dairy. You know, it depends. Right. What's, your, what's your thoughts on that? I think depending on the person, it really, you know, conventional dairy, granted, probably not raised ideally, but 
it can still be a really healing food. So depending on how you tolerate it, depending on how much you and your ethical and, you know, how much you personally want to consume this product and, you know, trust that it could probably help, um, you know, I would also listen to your intuition if you feel like dairy can help you. Um, but, you know, I, I do think it can be beneficial regardless of where it's coming from. Of course, you know, you, you want to try to um, limit the additives and fortification in dairy, which is really common here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to hopefully look for non-homogenized versus homogenized. Um, but it, I think it's still a really valuable food. So, you know. Granted, there are definitely ways to pick out higher quality ones. And that's, of course, based on your budget. Um, But it's really about finding what works for you in your specific situation. So I don't want to demonize dairy because there is a lot of crappy dairy out there, but also it can still be really healing for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. That's good. I like that perspective. And yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, it's finding what your body responds best to. And I know before getting pregnant this time around, I have not had dairy for probably 10 plus years. And after learning and sourcing a farmer, we've been getting raw dairy, which I've actually tolerated really well. Um, So that's been, and cheese, Warren, Mm -hmm. let me tell you, (laughs) I have been missing out on the joy of living the past decade of not eating cheese. And so introducing, again, I started with raw and I can be a little bit more flexible now, um, but still try to, yeah, get as high quality as I, as I can find, but it's just bringing so much joy to my life. So that's a total aside. I'll let you keep going. Oh, that's beautiful. That's what it's all about. Um, yeah, definitely. If you can find a dairy source near you that you trust and you understand their practices, that's like the ideal. I I'm lucky enough that I have someone nearby that I just go get raw milk and raw cheese from and other products. Um, realmilk.com is a website run by the Weston A. Price Foundation. And that's like a really good place to start. It's a directory of all the local farmers in your county. Uh, so hopefully for the most part, most of you will have <laughs> uh, options. Um, but yeah, dairy is amazing. And it's been shown to help, at least full fat dairy has been shown to help outcomes in fertility treatments. Um, so Again, if you think about what dairy contains, it's vitamin A, B vitamins, lots of minerals, like it is a very fertility supportive food. Um, And that study did not necessarily say it has to be raw. So, you know, um, definitely a good option and really supportive food. Um, I think eggs are also an amazing food. They really pack a nutrient dense punch. They have so many nutrients, B vitamins, minerals, um, but also really important choline as well, really high in choline. I think those are the second highest foods uh, in choline, uh, but also a cholesterol and saturated fat, which is actually really important uh, for baby's brain health and um, overall bodybuilding of um, and growth and development, I mean. Um, so really important there. Um, I would say also seafood is really important. And I know this is not a specific food, but it's a generalization. Um, Seafood is really amazing. I recently did a post on um, uh, fertility outcomes and seafood and the women and couples, the couples that were consuming seafood, um, not only were they like getting jiggy with it, more often, I think their libido was higher, <laughs> but um, 
which could affect, you know, outcomes still uh, when you look at it from a research perspective, but also that's a, that's a key component to conceiving. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to happen without it. Um, but um, they were able to get pregnant faster and that was really, really interesting. And it makes sense because when you look at seafood, um, it, there's, you know, depending on what you're eating, there's fat soluble vitamins, but also a ton of minerals and B vitamins like B12, zinc, selenium, iodine, iron, um, copper, so much copper, which is really important for sperm health too. So it's a really overall fertility food. Um, you know, I would say quality matters amongst all of these uh, seafood. I would probably aim for wild caught if you can. Um, but yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, and then, you know, those are my top four. Um, there are definitely other foods, uh, but I would say things like butter, for example, butter is a fertility food to me. There's so much fat soluble vitamins, so many, excuse me, fat soluble vitamins in it. Actually, um, I believe in Swedish, I, I might be getting this wrong in terms of the culture, but Swedish ancestral culture, part of their preconception process was to consume butter from cows in a, that ate grass in a specific time of the season because it was the most nutrient dense. Uh, and butter is gonna have vitamin E, uh, butter is gonna have vitamin D, vitamin K2. Um, and it's just really, really amazing. <laughs> um, I mean, how, it doesn't get much better, people. We're, ta- we're, we're asking you to consume butter dairy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> high quality meats, seafood. I mean, that's amazing. And, and what's really interesting is you didn't mention any greens and, and not, not like those are not important. Okay. And I'm sure that there's a whole case for the importance of, you know, greens and fruits and, um, but it's just, again, when we go back to ancestral eating simplicity, when we're looking at like nutrient density, the biggest, you know, um, the most bang for your buck, investing in some of these higher quality food sources, to me, it just brings a lot of peace. Like, wow, not only generally are these foods more satisfying and enjoying to eat, um, but they're incredibly good for you. So it's a great perspective of like nourishing your body. And again, we're going to share Lauren's information so you can go on her um, Instagram. She has a course where these other foods will be included, but just for simplicity's sake, I love that list that you shared. Um, So let's just touch on, again, not everyone has the luxury of preparing. Sometimes you get pregnant and you weren't necessarily planning on it. Um, But in your perspective, how long ideally should a woman prepare nutritionally prior to conceiving for ideal outcomes for her and baby? Yeah, that's a great question. It's it's a really hard one to answer too. I come at it from the perspective of no one has lived your life in your body. And as we were talking about earlier too, everyone has different stressors. And so how long, you know, someone should take to prepare for pregnancy. And again, like you said, it it is a luxury. Um, But, you know, if we can, it's, I think it's well worth the time. And sometimes, although, you know, it, it, it's a surprise and that's okay. Um, I think that's beautiful too. Um, but, you know, when, when try, if you are trying to figure it out and, you know, thinking ahead, it's really only you're going to know how long you need. Um, and so 
I think, you know, looking back at some of the fertility markers that we were talking about earlier, having an inventory of that, how do you feel in this moment right now? What are the areas of opportunity there? That's a great place to start. How is my cycle? Because if my cycle's off, luck, likely it's going to take about three months at least to get it on track. And then we want to be optimizing it too, because mm -hmm. there's something called folliculogenesis, which is basically the maturation of an egg follicle. And so it takes about three months for an egg to mature. And that's why within that three months, it's everything that you do, eat, um, lifestyle, all the things that you're experiencing can impact the health of that egg, which impacts um, you know, the amount of progesterone we make and our ability to have a successful implantation. Um, and so that's really important. And it can also impact you know, how our first trimester goes because how much progesterone we make is also linked to potentially uh, morning sickness <laughs> and um, all that fun stuff. So it can really set the tone for everything. And so uh, I would, I would, you know, take an inventory of those markers, libido as well as a really important marker that I forgot to mention. If you're not feeling, you know, frisky at the right times of the month, because God has made this beautiful hormonal um, symphony that women experience. And we're, literally programmed to feel more frisky at a specific time of the month to procreate. So are we feeling frisky during that time? Are we, you know, how is our cycle? Are we ovulating? Um, do we still have really bad PMS? Those are all things to really take into account. And that, that cycle stuff can take a while to fix mm -hmm. because again, it's at least three months usually before you really start seeing changes because you're impacting the health of the egg. Um, then you want to look at diet. So diet's a really important piece. And, um, you know, what have you been eating your whole life, but also the past couple of years up until this point? If we've been eating a standard American diet that's really fortified, poor in healthy fats, really high in industrialized fats, polyunsaturated fats, um, really uh, nutrient poor in terms of macronutrients. So we, we tend to eat, you know, uh, I guess... Well, <laughs> I should say a lot of women are under eating, but we tend to have decently okay uh, macronutrient ratios. I would I would probably make it a little more fat heavy, but um, you know I think we're eating we're meeting those, but we're eating a lot of nutrient poor foods, um, and so we're we're maybe getting some of the nutrients that we need, the basic ones, but we're really lacking the micronutrients, which are really going to be not only super supportive to fertility, but also baby's uh, growth and development. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a big piece too. And um, I also think if, you know, you may have been on a plant-based diet as well, that's another consideration because there are nutrients that you cannot get from plants at all. Uh, and so like vitamin A, B12, um, heme iron, there's definitely more and they're just more readily available in higher ratios also in animal foods. Um, so to sort of go with the, if we're looking to, again, build up nutrient stores, uh, we may already be lacking in some um, vitamin K2 as well, I should say, too, um, is another one that comes to mind. Um, so we might already need to replenish, and we cannot replenish during pregnancy. Um, it's going to be really, really difficult, or at least, you know, to the extent that we need to, probably. Right. Um, so 
Well, that was my that was my follow up question to that is, you know, if you're someone like me who gets pregnant in the midst of your healing journey or, you know, you're depleted in minerals or certain nutrients, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, like you mentioned earlier, uh, and like we discussed, there's never a better time to start. Um, you know, it's never too late. You can still make an impact. Um, that said, you know, your body, you can take sort of uh, solace in this concept that your body will prioritize giving your baby everything that it needs. Um, so you can have some peace of mind there that your baby will be okay. Um, it may, you know, that said, it may take, it may have to take some shortcuts with you. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's okay too. Um, women have been doing this for a long time um, and the body is really smart and it usually does what it needs to do to get you through. Um, some nutrient deficiencies may manifest as pregnancy complications. And, you know, you can only know that until you experience that. Um, if at all, though, I wouldn't say right. like, be ready for it, you know, <laughs> right. um, if, if, it, if something does manifest, then, you know, you can be like, okay, well, um, how, how, where, where can I sort of um, increase my consumption to manage this issue right. now? Right. Um, so it becomes more about managing the issue than reversing it technically, but, yeah. um, you know, it's learnings for you know, the next pregnancy as well, if you, right. you know, okay, preeclampsia, I need more animal protein, and I need more salt, uh, maybe I should start sooner, and make sure I'm getting this in the first trimester, um, right. rather than, you know, uh, third trimester, I haven't been eating much of that, and then um, preeclampsia hits, so right. um, it's just more information too, uh, but again, it's never too late to start consuming a nutrient-rich diet and to sway things in your favor, uh, because that's what it's really all about, is just swaying things in your favor. There's no way to really prevent, uh, to completely prevent XYZ, right. uh, you know, complication. The body is <laughs> still, uh, pregnancy is very primal, like to, yeah. to think that we can control every single thing is completely ludicrous, but um, it's all about swaying things in your favor. Yeah. And this journey that I've been on, even in this short nine months of intensely in protocols and then having to stop those protocols because getting pregnant, which we were so grateful for, but then experiencing just a lot of uh, the, you know, morning, just a lot of suffering, to be honest, the first trimester realizing, okay, this is because some of those stores aren't built up yet. And another thing that's been giving me hope and encouragement is, okay, I can do my best now and even postpartum. So I've really been focusing on the postpartum of, okay, how can I prepare and have nourishing foods on hand and set my expectation up of, we're not working on getting the body back. That is absolutely not top priority. It is restocking minerals. It's nourishing my body so that not only can we, um, not only can we breastfeed successfully, but my body can heal. And so, like you said, there's never a wrong time. So, um, as we're wrapping up here, why don't you just touch a little bit on the prenatal versus real food conversation? Cause this is probably new for some of my, my listeners. It was for me. It's like, <laughs> Oh, so it feels a little controversial, but I think it's really important that we start to breach the topic. Um, and then the, one of the last questions I'd love to ask you is just some basic testing you recommend prior to pregnancy. You know, you said you're doing some testing. Um, if you recommend some of those things to your clients. 
Yeah, of course, for sure. Uh, so prenatals, I definitely have a different perspective than most people. Um, and, you know, <laughs> um, I think a lot of it is, um, again, I mentioned we, we don't have the full knowledge of what exactly we need and to try to distill uh, the sophistication of mother nature into, you know, a, a dozen nutrients that are not from their whole food forms or natural forms into one pill that's supposedly is supposed to cover all nutrient needs is just <laughs> kind of silly to me. Um, you know, there is a time and a place for them. I'm not against supplementation at all um, or prenatals necessarily. Um, what I have a different perspective on is like, they are a supplement and they're an incredible tool to enhance the diet, but the key word here is supplement and they should already be in, there should already be a really good foundation. So supplements are exactly that. They're an enhancement to an already good foundation and they can help close the gap a little bit, uh, but we should really not be utilizing them or leaning on them too much. And this is kind of the behavior that they encourage that I have a problem with. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of women, again, they have this misconception that they can, these prenatals can replace a nutrient rich diet. They're like, okay, I'm going to skip lunch. I, I, I have even family members that have been pregnant that are like, I haven't eaten all day. That's okay. I have my prenatal. I'm like, okay, well, you do. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but you know, I have boundaries with that, um, of course, but, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to skip lunch. I haven't eaten all day. I'm going to have just McDonald's for dinner and I'll take my prenatal. And I'm, I'm all about, you know, listening to your body, hunger pains. Um, also indulging when you want to, I think that's really important too. listening to those cravings. Um, I know that, you know, I'm not all about a clean diet. Like I eat candy, I have sweets. <laughs> it's, it's not about uh, restriction. It's really just about enhancing your diet. But um, I think that behavior is um, not necessarily conducive to what we're going for and the whole point of the prenatal. Um, I also think that they're, you know, they're one size fits all. So they don't take our individual needs into account. And, you know, what if you're getting enough of X, Y, Z nutrient and you don't need more of this nutrient, otherwise it can create an imbalance. Um, or what if you're really lacking in this other nutrient, but it's a really, you know, conservative dose and you actually need to be getting way more. And you won't know this unless, you know, you do some testing or you, you are already, uh, again, the diet is really important to kind of mitigate all these questions. Um, but um, other issues though too, and these are just a couple, but one, they're not regulated by the FDA. Um, take that for what it's worth though. Uh, you can call anything a prenatal. So you don't have, there's not like a specific standard that you need to meet to be called a prenatal. So uh, again, it's not regulated. <laughs> and so, uh, that's why there's, you know, uh, this prenatal called ritual that has like five different nutrients rather than like the 12 or 15 that are usually in a lot of them. Um, supplement companies also have to make money. So they're going to cut corners somewhere. I guarantee it. Otherwise the prenatal supplement, unless you start getting to the more expensive ones, like the $60 ones um, per month, uh, anything really lower than that, maybe like 50, 30, um, you're going to be 
not getting the ideal forms of the nutrients because, or some of the nutrients I should say, because the ideal forms of these nutrients are expensive. <laughs> like methylated folate, for example, is really expensive compared to folic acid. And if a supplement company is trying to fit all these nutrients into one pill, they're gonna have to cut some corners there. Um, most nutrients are synthetic. So this is interesting, and this is based on the work of Dr. Catherine Shanahan. They, the synthetic nutrients, they can behave like the natural forms sometimes. Some of them do, but a lot of them don't. And what happens when you're taking the synthetic form is they block the receptors for the actual ones. So you're, you're kind of blocking the real version that might provide more benefit uh, from being utilized by your cells. Uh, so that's very interesting. Um, I would love to see more research on this come out, but one example is folic acid. That is very well, um, or at least there's a lot of research coming out about that. Um, Another issue too is there's imbalanced ratios. So a lot of what's sort of ignored and overlooked when it comes to nutrients is we have this like um, laser focus on, oh my gosh, this nutrient is really important or, oh, a deficiency in this means we need to take more of this. But what most people don't realize is that most nutrients have partners and cofactors that we need to help utilize them properly. Uh, so no nutrient is really acting on its own in you know a silo um, and if we're we're taking them in imbalanced ratios we could be creating new dysfunction in the body so one example is calcium to magnesium oftentimes the ratio of um, calcium in these prenatals is really high versus magnesium another one is vitamin a to vitamin d there is a ratio for that and uh, a lot of the times that the A is nowhere near where it should be when it comes to D. And that's even if you should be taking synthetic A, it's a whole nother conversation. Um, but, um, you know, there's that. And I, this is interesting when you look at iron-free prenatals and which is, there's such a thing and they're becoming more common. And what I think is so funny is I laugh to myself because I, I do think that they can be, you know, if I were to go for a prenatal, it'd probably be an iron-free prenatal, but um, that's because the manufacturers understand that iron and calcium compete for absorption in the digestive tract. But what they're ignoring is that uh, calcium and iron also compete with magnesium and zinc. <laughs> and like, so we're not, we're not, we're still not benefiting from all of these nutrients by taking them all at once, um, especially in the synthetic form. So they're, you know, missing a lot of the other important things that we should probably be noticing. Um, most uh, prenatals also are missing key ingredients like A and choline, like actual vitamin A, which actually leads me to my next point, which is there are a lot of unnecessary ingredients in prenatals too, like extra iron and calcium and all that stuff. Because if you, you know, for it, calcium, for example, our needs are the same during preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum, you actually don't need to be taking extra calcium. So that's just one example there. Um, and, you know, the RDAs are not set at a thriving state necessarily, um, which could be beneficial because we're not overdoing it, but also, you know, that goes back to the, the issue and the behavior that encourages, like most women take this thinking, 
it'll cover them all, but yeah. <laughs> not. Um, so, and there is research that shows that women that take prenatals still end up with deficiencies in vitamin A, B6, B3, uh, B1, B12. So it's, you know, it's, it's tough. Um, and that goes back to, you know, I'm not saying prenatals are worthless, but there might be a better approach uh, that might support us in helping us achieve our goals, mm -hmm. if that's what we're really looking for. And, and again, of course, there are situations where it definitely makes sense and really diet, what your diet looks like is so important. Um, I'm not saying like go toss your prenatal because if your diet is not what it should look like, then that prenatal might actually be helping you. Right. Uh, but, um, you know, you really have to ask yourself what you're eating and what, what kind of approach you want. Uh, it's very individual. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, I'm not saying all these things to bash prenatals, but I just think it's, it's important to be informed about what you're taking, especially if you think it's doing one thing and it's not actually doing that thing. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think it, hopefully as people are listening, they can just start to absorb, number one, have an open mind. We're not dishing out medical advice here saying, this is what you should do. Hopefully you have someone that your birth team, your medical team, someone you can trust. Um, but unfortunately a lot of, you know, Western medicine, um, model when it comes to prenatal postnatal care, they're just not educated, um, in that nutritional and we could go off on that tangent as well. <laughs> but I, I think it goes back to like taking responsibility of your own health. You know, it's it's easy. It's easy to say, yep, here's my prenatal. I take every day. I'm good. Like that takes a lot less thought and responsibility and intention. But if you are someone who, if you're listening to the podcast, you are, who values your health, who values a holistic perspective, who wants not just you well, but your entire family or your friend network to thrive then it's going to take a little bit more work. It's going to take a little bit more research. It's going to take a little bit of time to source these foods, which, you know, when you, when it comes down to like, okay, if I could just eat some of these foods and less, um, prenatal vitamins, number one, it might be more affordable. And <laughs> number two, it's going, might be more beneficial because of how your body is processing and utilizing the nutrients that you're getting. Um, so is there any tests that you, recommend just for general, like, let's just see where you're at that you like to see women if they're considering conception and they just want to optimize where they're at starting out. Yeah, I think that's definitely a great question. I think it's definitely individual to the person in their situation. Um, there's so many tests that you could utilize to your advantage, uh, depending on kind of what you uh, you know, have an inkling about or want to pursue or what your current state of health is not necessarily just for preconception, because a lot of the times, uh, a lot of the women that come to work with me are, you know, have thyroid issues or their cycles off and we need to optimize that first before going into preconception. Um, so there could be active things that we are aware of that we're trying to work on, or, you know, you can use some tests to kind of just do uh, checks and balances. Um, that's not maybe not the right phrase there, but, um, you know, kind of check in with yourself to see where you're at, you're at to just make sure. Um, that said, uh, there's a couple that I'll, I'll talk about. I have a lot that I talk about in my course, but I, I definitely think a full thyroid panel is really, really beneficial for anyone 
getting ready to conceive. Uh, thyroid hormone is so incredibly important for the normal growth and development of baby. Uh, the first half of pregnancy, the baby is 100% reliant on your own production of thyroid hormones. So that is, it's a huge thyroid stress test pregnancy and um, thyroid hormones really, really important for baby's neurological development and brain health. Um, it's also a really commonly overlooked factor in recurrent miscarriages as well. So if you know, you, you're somebody that's dealing with recurrent miscarriages or had, you know, a couple in the past, um, this could be an overlooked factor because the lab ranges that usually are provided for TSH. And when I say full thyroid panel, it's not just TSH, I should mention. Um, it is T4, T3, reverse T3, a TPO antibodies, all that fun stuff. Um, and you may need to advocate for yourself with your doctor because usually they're only going to run TSH. Um, you may need to, you know, utilize a functional doctor, a functional practitioner, um, or um, uh, an endocrinologist. But going back to the lab ranges, the normal lab range for TSH is like uh, pretty large. And what is interesting is that the, like, around the two thirds of that lab range, you already start to see higher risk of miscarriage. So to call that normal is really, I don't know, <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. Um, so you, you wanna get a full thyroid panel and work with somebody that actually knows how to interpret the full thyroid panel um, because it can tell you a lot uh, depending on you know what who you're working with um, and sort of the areas of opportunity because the conventional way of approaching thyroid health is usually just take T4 or T4 and T3, regardless of what the results say, it's always the same thing. Um, <laughs> but if you are working with maybe an more an endocrinologist or a more alternative practitioner, functional practitioner, um, you might be able to optimize the certain areas that need help. Uh, so that's definitely one that I would definitely get done. Um, I really love an HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis, uh, just because it can tell you so much at once about the different systems in the body, like the thyroid, blood sugar balance, uh, stress response, um, adrenal markers, vitality, hormones. Uh, it can really give you hints as to how those systems are doing. Um, and you know, there's also the other aspect that mothers lose 10% of their minerals with each child. So uh, you know, it's a really, it's a really great way to get a handle on your mineral status, especially going into pregnancy um, as well, because, you know, minerals, I mean, just for example, a deficiency in magnesium during pregnancy is associated with so many complications like gestational diabetes, preeclampsia, miscarriage, um, and the list goes on and on. So, that's just one example. And minerals are really, they're the spark plugs of the body. Minerals run enzymes, which run hormones, which run the whole body. So um, it's a really great foundational lab to get done. Uh, and it's, you know, usually pretty affordable as well. Um, the next one I would say, and this is the last one I'll talk about, is a full Monty iron panel. And that one goes really nicely with the HTMA because you know, you're kind of looking, the two tests give you a really good perspective on the overall metabolism of the body, which is really 
overall health of the body, overall fertility of the body. Um, this test measures zinc, selenium, uh, vitamin A, so retinol, vitamin D, um, ceruloplasmin copper, which I can get into it and maybe another time, uh, regular copper, iron, magnesium, RBC. Um, and all of this is really important, not only for figuring out your iron metabolism, but retinol is never tested really going into pregnancy. And that is really important to get a handle on. Um, a lot of the other nutrients need retinol to function properly in the body. Uh, so that can cause a lot of things. Um, the copper dependent enzymes I talked about earlier, you can get a really good idea of how your copper status is there. Uh, so that metabolic panel is just really, really helpful for adding even more to the picture uh, when it comes to HTMA um, and love that one because we can glean a lot from there. So insightful. I could talk about this all day with you, Lauren. <laughs> so much good information and we don't have time to go into this, but I just want to mention, and you can agree or disagree with me on this. You know, we mentioned a little bit the normal, but are the common, but not necessarily normal pregnancy symptoms and, you know, morning sickness, which I experienced intensely the first three months, um, you know, the swelling that can happen, the preeclampsia, um, all these things as I'm learning can be mitigated. They don't have to be expected when we properly nourish our body before conception. Would you agree with that? I, I would agree with that. Yeah, mostly. I mean, you know, morning sickness is hotly debated, like extra. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, there's, there's a lot of practitioners that say we shouldn't pathologize normal pregnancy symptoms. Quote right. unquote. Um, right. But I do think there's something to be said, you know, if, if a woman is like absolutely miserable, if their quality of life has decreased so much and they like are just having a, an absolute terrible time, um, totally, where it's affecting their mental health and their actual health, uh, you know, being sick with this. Um, I, I think that it would be gaslighting these women to tell them, oh yeah, it's normal. Don't worry, get over it. Like you'll be done in yeah. mm -hmm. a second trimester. Don't worry. Right. Um, so, you know, I do think that there are certain things that, you know, you can take to sort of, again, sway things in your favor. Um, of course, 100% prevention for anything is not possible. Um, that's not something that anyone can promise. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that, yeah, there are certain things that you can do to put your best foot forward. And there are also things to do that you can, um, that you can do to also mitigate the morning sickness as well. Yeah, I think my heart, my heart behind that statement and behind even bringing that up is like, because we live in this modern age, a lot of us are just unaware and we don't have the knowledge to partner with our body's original design to bring forth life. And I believe hundred percent that how our bodies were created by the master creator was not, he didn't do it like, well, this is going to be a terrible nine months and labor <laughs> and delivery is going to be awful. Like my perspective of, of God is that he's a good God and that he put in our bodies what we need to do this. But with our modern culture, it's like we were saying earlier, our whole conversations, like we almost have to unlearn a lot and then relearn, you know? And so I guess I just want to spark that hope 
in people as they're listening of like, you do have a choice, you do have some control over your body and there's ways to partner with your body in a way that this whole journey of pregnancy can be beautiful. And yes, it's challenging. Like it's challenging growing a new life. It's, it's amazing work. It is work, but it doesn't have to be this scary thing. Um, so again, I could keep talking all day. Um, but Lauren, I just appreciate your heart for women. I appreciate your work, what you're putting out into the world, even for free is like mind blowing. And so where can women get a hold of you? I know you have a course, um, that I've seen all over the place online. So maybe you can talk about where people can get connected with you, learn about your course and even work with you if that feels like a good fit for them. Well, thanks so much for asking. Um, yeah, the best way to, I guess, stay in touch is uh, Instagram. I'm most active there. My handle's at innate functional nutrition. Um, I do have a course. It's all about preconception prep. And I actually partnered with a pelvic floor health specialist for this course. So um, we have Dr. Britt Harmon on there too, delivering amazing knowledge on how you can not only I handle the nutritional side, but also there's a whole other aspect physiologically mm -hmm. <laughs> that can also is a really key part of fertility and also um, pregnancy and moving into postpartum delivery as well. So um, it's a really comprehensive course, I should say. That's what I was trying to get to. <laughs> um, and I, I really, I, I, I love the resource and I, I hope it helps so many women. We have so many students already. Um, and yeah, and that's where you can also reach out to me on my Instagram handle, or you can go to innate-nutrition.com uh, to reach out to work together. Great. Yeah. Again, I just love your perspective. And I think this is going to be coming out close to the you know end of the year, the first of the year. And, you know, this is a great new year's resolution podcast, in my opinion, because we're talking holistically, it's not a quick fix. Like if there's things that you want to get on the right foot, not just for, you know, one month, three months, a year, but like for the rest of your life, this is a great perspective to have for a new year's intention, right? It's like a new, a new life intention versus just a new year intention. So um, thanks again, Lauren. I look forward to having more conversations with you and just proud of all the work. It takes a lot of work to get a course off the ground and, you know, uh, helping women through that. I know that firsthand. So well done. And I can't wait till next time. Thanks so much, Brooke. Me too. Can't wait.